All right, guys, we're going to hop into this episode real quick. First, we just want to talk about the sponsors. AdaptiveTactical.com. Go check them out. They're good people, good product. Go to their website, and at checkout, use the code MP20. That'll get you 20% off your order. Next is Mountain Primal Meat. Go to MountainPrimal.com. Promo code MISSIONPREP. All one word. Get you a discount at checkout. All right, we're going to go ahead and hop right into this episode with Noah. Uh, he, he really impressed us. He's a young guy, and he's got a good head on his shoulders, and he's doing good stuff. So, hope you guys enjoy it. You started out. Come you start out? Yeah, you never do, so let's do it. Yeah, I don't because I'm not the social one. <laughs> you are, though. See, we already started. That was easy. My fucking ankle hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that want to know, Kevin uh, has an ankle that's about as big around as my calf right now. He, it's like a it's like a chimpanzee's nut. A <laughs> <laughs> couple different colors, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, he rolled it at ballet class. I did. Trying to get my sexy on, all right? <laughs> all right, so today we have Noah Schultz here with us. Um you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners, and we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, like you said, I'm Noah Schultz. I'm from Boise, Idaho. I train out at SBG Idaho. I'm a fighter. Uh, right now, I'm just an amateur, but looking to go pro this next year. I've had eight fights, I think, and I'm a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as of last Friday. So. Yeah, 22 years old. 23. 23. Yeah. Either way, a brown belt. So how old were you when you started Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, I started jiu-jitsu when I was 13. Okay, damn. So I've been doing it for a little bit. Yeah. And then I started at SPG. It was combat fitness back then. Um, and, like, we were just fans of it. My brother was a huge fan of it, so he got me really into it. Um, but we would just, like, hit pads and stuff like that in our house. Mm-hmm. Bought pads from Walmart and uh, little UFC MMA gloves, and we thought we were pretty cool. And then <laughs> we, we went to a gym, and it was way different back then, like, my first day of class i sparred with the adults and i was 13 years old hmm. um but i started in the kids program and then about a year after i started at combat fitness we moved to washington uh, vancouver washington so i train at team quest in gresham oregon so uh we drove we would drive like 20 minutes over to there and uh, that was pretty cool because matt Lynn was the head coach oh. silver medalist in greco-roman wrestling and saw chael sun in and uh, Yushinokami back then, and it was, it was a pretty cool experience to be around like the big big fighters that I looked up to at the time. Mm-hmm. And then we, I moved back about two years after after that. So, and I've been at SBG since since then. Wow, that's it's crazy. Like the, this generation, how they're starting so young. Because mm-hmm. when we were thirteen, like jujitsu wasn't really a thing here. No, like it wasn't popular in Idaho. Yeah. I mean, there was probably a couple gyms, and even UFC wasn't that big yet when we were in our teens or younger and i think with the popularity of ufc came the popularity of again of martial arts i'm still surprised about how like small it is still i feel like uh, well maybe not because it is a pretty intense thing to get into and it's definitely more people would want to watch it than do it mm-hmm. but um like when i first saw it i was like oh my gosh i have to do this for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. but i know so many people that watch it but don't have any interest in in doing it but yeah i guess it is a pretty intense thing so it is and i think i think it takes a like a different breed of person to want to do that for a living yeah and it takes someone who's got some grit i guess you could say like and it takes all types of people too like i I know a lot of fighters and some of them are some of them are that stereotypical douchebag that for people sure. think MMA fighters are. For sure. yeah. They're not all like that though cuz then like someone like like Cruz from the pit, he was a fighter forever. He's I've said this on here a thousand times. He's the biggest nerd you've ever met. Yeah. And I feel bad for anybody that wants to call him a nerd cuz yeah, not going to go very well. No, no. And then <laughs> but then there's guys who are like very intelligent. There, there's all sorts of different kinds of people, but I think it takes like a certain toughness to want to do that for a living. Yeah. Definitely, for sure. And I think that's with a lot of professional sports, obviously, yeah. but yeah. MMA is another thing. Yeah. Well, we're all competitive. We're all driven by success and reward of success, right? Testosterone drives that, you know, balance between <clears throat> winning or success and the dopamine effect on the other side of it, of winning, mm-hmm. right? And some people don't, 
if you're raised around that, like you're challenged as a kid or you're in sports, you're just used to like tasting some sort of interpersonal success or as a team having success, you know? Um, just like my, 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 my first interactions with jujitsu would have been in, in like basic training whenever we were doing it combatives and choking, choking each other out and everything. And a lot of it was more, it was technique based, but also like if you're not going hard enough, you're going to your ass chewed, you know, don't take it easy necessarily. But that's where you see a lot of people that joined that probably never played sports or, or just didn't. And they were very, they just didn't have that grit. They weren't very aggressive. And it was just like they get their ass kicked all the time, you know. Um, so I think you're right. Like, it takes them a certain amount of grit, I think. Yeah. You know, well, maybe growing up with it. Like, especially if you're going to, that's what you, like you were saying, that's what you want to do. It's, yeah. It, that takes something special. I think, like I said, any any sport, if that's going to be your life, you got to be a special person, I think. But yeah. it's fighting's a different thing yeah. whether it's boxing or mma i mean it's that's a different thing and I, I know people like who say like if someone does that for a living something's got to be wrong with them i'm like i don't think that's the case no. yeah i that's mean like maybe a little bit maybe they're a little <laughs> off but. it might be a couple screws loose but <laughs> it's just uh i think any anybody has a certain interest that other people aren't into and like they could say that that's weird that you like that or that's strange but um like some people are into clothes some people are into painting i'm into punching people and you and know, getting punched and getting punched and getting <laughs> yeah. luckily i don't get punched too often so yeah um, i'm usually on the the giving end of that but yeah so how old were you when you took your first fight i was 18 years old um so in idaho i don't know if that's across the board but i know for the promotion that i was trying to fight for front street fights which is the the biggest promotion in and the northwest really but mm -hmm. the only real promotion we have in idaho or in the boise area um they made it so you couldn't fight until you're 18. You had mm -hmm. to be at least 18, which is, is fine. Uh, I think you have your whole life to get hit in the head. You don't need to start yeah. any earlier than that. So, um, But it was, it was awesome. I was the youngest fighter at the time. I think I still might be the youngest fighter that fought for them. Um, so it was a pretty big deal. I was still in high school. I was a senior. Um, I f there was about a month left of my uh, – school year and I, I fought and then i was i was pretty popular the, <laughs> i was gonna say you were, you were probably the shit going back to school yeah. yeah that's that's cool though i mean 18 years old we had we had friends that fought, fought at 18 that yeah. fought at 18 but it wasn't front street fights um but no that, that is a big deal like being the youngest to do that and that's crazy because front street fights is they've grown a lot since then even. yeah and that's not that many years ago yeah. yeah and even at the time it was it was a pretty big deal like CenturyLink arena yeah uh, a lot of people there it was it was uh it definitely set the bar pretty high because my very next fight i fought in an empty uh rodeo ground with <laughs> nobody there and there was mud in the cage and dirt bikes flying over it so <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't it was kind of a far drop from front street fights CenturyLink arena but yeah. it was still it's still pretty cool. All part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. still doing what you want to do. So, do you do you compete in jujitsu tournaments too? Um, I do, I haven't in a while. Um, I've just been more focused on on MMA, and I have a pretty big coaching role for the kids at SPG. Mm -hmm. So whenever there's a tournament, I'm usually coaching 20, 25 kids. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a whole lot of time to go compete. But um, I haven't in a while. I grew up competing in jujitsu. So when I was a teenager. Every couple months, I was going to different tournaments and competing. Mm -hmm. So, kind of scratched that itch already. I don't yeah. feel a huge need to go out there and do yeah. jiu-jitsu anymore. But I, I actually saw you saw you at SBG when because I, I took my son down there to do one of the trials. Oh yeah, nice. He did it with Brad, and you had just come in. You were starting to set up some stuff, and I saw you over there. And yeah, it's a it's a cool spot. It's yeah, a really it's, cool spot. And it's grown so much in the past couple of years they were almost done with the renovation stuff when we came in and yeah it's that's a really cool cool place yeah absolutely but no that's so so you've had you know you're st still amateur yeah how do you go from amateur to pro like how do you make that step um i think one it's you have to know you're ready um your coaches have to believe that you're ready to I, I feel like number one is just knowing that you're ready because mm -hmm. you could go there's people that go pro after one amateur fight there's people that don't even have any amateur fights at all and just go pro mm -hmm. um but i think starting as young as i did i feel like i'm like a young veteran when it comes to mma like i've I, i'm younger than most of the people doing it now and i've experienced more than most people have mm -hmm. that are like 
starting out to be pro already and stuff like that. So I feel like I have a really good grasp on the things I, I need to do better, things I'm good at, um, all the weird things that can happen in MMA because it's the most like surprising sport there is. Anything can happen. And I feel like I've kind of experienced everything I've needed to experience at this point. Mm-hmm. And I've, I feel really ready now. And I know my coaches are getting that way too. So I think maybe one more amateur fight if if that. Mm-hmm. And then make make the leap. But like the specifics of it, really you just check a box on a paper and get get a different license and you're you're a pro athlete. So Right. Yeah, you want to be able to I guess take a dude's lunch first. Yeah. Like if you if you're just losing all your amateur fights, it's like, well, maybe <laughs> I shouldn't go pro yet. Maybe you know? reevaluate this yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's a big step, I'm sure. But like you said, doing it as long as you've been doing it mm-hmm. already at such a young age, which that's what I'm talking about. This generation, yeah, it's gonna like I think about even people younger than you when they get to that point where say they're gonna go pro or they're gonna be join the UFC. Think how good they're gonna be compared to the guys before all of us yeah. who yeah. started later in their life. Like we've got kids starting at five years old. Yeah, right. you know. That's the way. That's the way things work now. And in, 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 in any case, and you know, everybody starts hitting certain things at a younger age. You know, whether it's working out, doing mm-hmm. mixed martial arts, like computer programming, like anything, like, and it's good. Let's beat that curve up, you know, in a healthy way. But I feel like that. What generations after us? Am I an idiot? Z. I, I don't remember. So, because we're technically millennials. Yeah, we're millennials. So, would you be a millennial or would you be the one after? I'm the one after. So, I think that's Gen Z, isn't it? Z, yeah. I think it's Z. Yeah, I feel like Z is going to have this weird, like, this weird bell curve to it on left and right where a bunch of people are not good at anything at all. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, you know, I don't have to try hard because excuses for everything, Mm -hmm. excuses for fucking days. And the kids who are like, actually have work ethic, who started things young, it's like, I have a good foundation. I have good character. I have good morals. I'm good to go. And not, I feel like there's not a whole lot of people in between that are younger than us. Yeah, I think, I think in every generation there's that. There's that. Well, there always is. Because I mean, there's yeah. people our age that are have no drive to do anything as well. There's people older than us that are losers because they never tried. Oh, absolutely. Anything. They never pushed yeah. themselves. And I'm not saying like if you don't want to do something physical, you're a loser. I'm just saying, like, no drive. I am. No drive at all. A little bit. <laughs> but no, you know what I'm saying? They're like, no drive at all. Like, you're never trying to do anything. Yeah. There's, I, I think it's a little bit with how you're raised. I think it's life experiences, stuff like that. But I think you're right, this younger generation. And I think every older generation looks at the next generation and thinks, like, oh, these lazy bastards. Right. But then you meet somebody like yourself who's 23 years old. I mean, you're not that much younger than us, but you're younger than us. And you're obviously a driven individual. You're you coach people, you do it yourself. Like that's yeah. What? Cause no matter what generation people like yourself, there's certain people that no matter what, there's this thing in the back of your mind that says, I cannot be mediocre. Mm-hmm. Fuck mediocrity, you know? And we are meant to be physical beings no matter what, like it's the outlier should be the people who can sit in an office from nine to five and then go home and not do anything active. Yeah. That's the outlier. That's not how we're actually made up. You know what I mean? We're made mm-hmm. to be physical motherfuckers. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just don't want to get away from that. That was always a struggle for me, like just building relationships and having relationships and friendships as a teenager. Cause obviously I started this pretty young, mm-hmm. but like so many of my friends would just go home and play video games. And I mean, I, I did a little bit of that as well, but like I was, I had practice Monday through Friday every week mm-hmm. as a teenager. And like, I, I had to miss out on certain things and like past relationships being with somebody that like didn't understand why I was at the gym for as long as I was or mm-hmm. why I couldn't skip a practice or something like that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of weeded out the week. And that sounds like a terrible thing to say almost, but like, cause it cost me relationships, but really if they can't handle that, then they're not supposed to be in my life. And that, that was a weird thing for me to kind of understand mm-hmm. at, at, at a younger age, at a teenager age. Cause I was like really like kind of, just having a crisis of figuring out what I needed to do and what I wanted. And well, like, you say it weeds yeah. out the week, but I think like you said, right after it weeds out the people that don't fit your life. Yeah. Cause to, if you want to be great at anything that takes time, it takes dedication. And if people deserve to be in your life then they have to understand that, I think, 
and especially when it comes to something like sports, athletics, it takes someone driven. I mean, look at anybody who's great. People call them crazy. Yeah. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. I'm just thinking of basketball players, apparently. But you know what I mean? Like Jesus. People, yeah. people say they're crazy or they say they're assholes. Or they're, but I think it might take a little bit of that to become great. That's yeah, something. you have to have an obsession for sure. Yeah. Yeah, do you want to be Pee Wee Herman or what, dude? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> no, but like, that's so true. Like, do you, it's hard sometimes, if, especially when you want friends, you're growing up, like, do I waver or do I not waver? Like, if all my friends are just going to get drunk every weekend, especially when you get in your 20s, and then even at our age, we still know people, it's, they get drunk and they go downtown every weekend. Like, what the fuck? It, it almost seems pathetic. Like, <laughs> Do you, how often do you fuck? How often do you go to the gym? How often do you read a book? Yeah. Like, go, like, make yourself better. And so it's hard if you're, like, trying to have those friends and they, the social norm is just playing video games or just drinking. It's like, mm-hmm. dang, I want to hang out with you guys, but also, it's like, I want friends, but I'm also goal-oriented and focused, and this is going to make me feel like a shittier person. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of hard to surround yourself with people like that. Well, and if, you, if you know where you want to be in life and you have to make those choices, like, when I was 18, I wasn't going to play sports or anything, but I was trying to get away from people who were getting in trouble. Yeah. And because the crowd I was hanging out with before I was 18 was getting in trouble, and I got in trouble with them at one point. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to make that choice. Like, it's time to work now, and it's time to step away from these people who are still out doing stupid shit, having fun. They're having a hell of a time. <laughs> They're partying and drinking and fighting and all that stuff. And But I had to step away. It's like, okay, now it's time to work. It's time to not be in trouble anymore. And I had to really put my mind to, like, make the right choice. And I think someone who's trying to do what you're trying to do, you have to make the right choices to get there. You probably can't be out partying every weekend. That's not going to work. No. I mean, there is probably some people who can do that. They can, I mean, the John Jones. Yeah. I was going to say there's guys, there's guys in the sport of MMA and other sports that are known for that, that will go out and do cocaine all weekend and win the fight. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) that, that take, now that's the crazy person. I think that's (laughs) that we were talking about earlier. They take to do that. But, I think it's making the right choices can be hard sometimes, especially when you're a young man or a young person because yeah. you're that age where people are out drinking and partying and having a good time and you want to be successful at something. You kind of probably have to separate from that a little. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is like the more you stay into this and if you're really driven to something, then uh, you'll attract other people in that space. And the friends I have now are the best friends I've had. And they're all, they all train at my gym, mm-hmm. you know, and we still have, I have more fun than I've ever had. And it's my kind of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not doing anything too crazy, but I still, I still am able to enjoy myself, but we're also in the gym pushing each other to get better the next, next couple of days, you know? Yeah. So it's not like, uh, I only see them when we're doing, we're drinking or we're partying or something like that. No, I'm, I'm in there working with them all week long. And you know, every, couple times a year we want to go out and have some fun then we can but we know that we're going to hold each other accountable or accountable to uh make ourselves better the, the following week mm-hmm. so. when you all have common goals yeah if you're in there together doing that and i think i think that's an important thing is if you want to be successful in something surround yourself with people that are successful yeah or definitely. that want or that are striving to be that's i think that's and that's anything in life you know what i mean yeah and it's good to stick around with people and that's and it is just kind of intuitive too Really, like we felt, I, you know, I after my first deployment, I knew who I was after that, and and when everyone was going out and drinking at night, I was like building ghillie suits in my dorm room, not dorm room, my barracks room, and like watching like the History Channel and shit, like or reading books, whatever. But I was I would always go DD because I was still friends with them, yeah. you know. But I had a group of like three or four guys. And that was it. It was this tight group that we barely drank, but we did we drink together. We worked out together. We went to work together. We trained together, you know. And it's like when you experience things with those guys, even outside of deployments, because obviously you have, you know, really grand experiences with them there. But when you experience and go through struggles and hardships with those people, those are your best friends. It's not the person you just kind of you see every once in a while. Or when you do hang out, it's just like hanging out. Because if you're not experiencing anything, you're not really bonding. You're not making a strong friendship. Yeah. You know, so you intuitively have to find people that agree with you on how to live and those are going to be your best friends, you Mm -hmm. know? Well, I think it's the same thing. Like we were talking about, if you want to strive for something, surround yourself. Same thing. Like say when you have a family, I know when I got married and had kids and stuff, I'm not hanging out with my friends anymore that don't have kids and don't have relationships because they're doing different things. Right. They're doing things I probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah. So then like, that's one reason Kevin and I, because we grew up together, 
but we kind of went our separate ways for a while. But later on in life, we got really close again because we both have families, we have kids, and we kind of have the same common goals in just our life in general. And so it's like, you know, surround yourself with people that are going to help you do what you want to continue doing. And like something I want to continue doing is having a, a healthy, happy family. So, so some, you don't want to go do some blow tonight. I, I didn't say that, that. That's off the table. I, I did not I mean, say that. that's what Mondays are for. <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like it's just common goals and like doing this podcast, we've met a lot of people who are really driven individuals and that's. Like we were talking about Paul before we started this. He's such a motivational, driven guy. That's that's contagious. Yeah, definitely. It's very contagious. Even if you're just following his Instagram, like it's like, God, this guy is so damn cool. I wanna I wanna yeah. strive to kind of be like that. Well, and at 53, you you want to be like that. Still driven, no, no still in shape, still motivated. Very, he's a very know how kind of person. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be 53 and be like, oh, I'm 53, so it's time to give up because I'm old. Like you're not fucking old. Mm-hmm. You know, you're as old as you feel like you are. Or as old as you feel because you fucked your body up being irresponsible mm-hmm. through diet or whatever you're doing when you're younger. Yeah, or you, you could know. be 53 like Paul and still kicking ass every day in the gym. Yeah, exactly. Still running however many damn miles that crazy man yeah. runs. Yeah, I'll just and be sitting in the break room at work and he'll come in and I'll say, hey, what's up? And by the end of 15 minutes later, I'm like ready to run a mile. Like I'm just ready to attack something. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's wild. Yeah, he's, he's a motivational guy, man. He's, he's, a, he's a good dude. Really good dude. Yeah, and the more, and the more you... Not only around people like that, but the more you work, the more you want to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, and I know there's some, you know, physiological thing going on with that, but it's cool. Like, you don't want to lose that high. You want to keep chasing it. When you're like in an environment where you're always moving, you're never really sitting down. When you're, it's like a couple minutes at a time, you're always moving, you're always practicing something, always doing something, you know, to, you know, push yourself or have some virtue, right? It's like that becomes like it just keeps on escalating into a, I think in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Like you're always going, you're always moving, you're always thinking, you're always strategizing. Um, you know, no time for complacency really. And that's, fuck. I mean, that's like addicting as hell, you know? Yeah. Super addicting. Yeah. I know just like, even like on a really small scale of that is when you're sitting at the couch and you're like, oh, I don't want to go to practice today. And then you go to practice and you're like, I'm so glad I went to practice. Like, I'm having so much fun. That was a really hard workout, but I feel so good now. You don't uh, regret making that choice to go. Exactly. And sometimes you have to continually make that choice to go all the time, but every every time it pays off and once you just keep that snowball effect builds, then you're just you don't want to miss a practice. You're mm-hmm. you're so excited to to just train and things are going well, things are building and it's it's a really cool cool feeling, especially like in a fight camp. Uh when cuz the beginning of fight camp is always super rough because <laughs> you're adding on practices and stuff like that. So you're, you're still in shape. Like I'm always training, so I'm always in shape, but fight shape is a different level of shape. So getting into that is really tough. Um, you're getting hard rounds and people are beating you up because we do, we do cage rounds every camp. So we spar twice a week. We're in the okay. cage for five rounds on Wednesday, five rounds on Saturday. Um, just getting a new, a fresh person in each each time. So it's it's pretty hard hard training. Um, but then as the camp goes on, you start doing better. You start feeling better. You're like, okay, I was I felt like I was gonna puke at three rounds on Wednesday. I made it to four rounds on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm I'm doing great. And then it just keeps building. And that that feeling is like, is just like you said, it's addicting. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it wants to makes you want to push yourself even further. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, I think it's. I don't know, like I've heard people talk about like, you know, like sports science and stuff like that, or psych, you know, sports psychology, excuse me. Like, it's like you don't want to let that high down after you've done something really hard, that catharsis, cathartic moments you've had. It's like you don't want to let it go because you you're going to get that reward signal, that dopamine, like you can push yourself, you can get through something, and it's like it's hard to let that go. It's like, man, I got to keep on pushing on there, riding that wave, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the old uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger quote. He's like, in, in the gym, I'm coming when I come. Yeah. Home, yeah. Coming, <laughs> yeah. The, the pump is, is that feeling? Yeah. Exactly. It's like, I'm coming. Yeah. I'm coming. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> that dude's had Arnold. so many cool, like, interview, like, quotes. Like, that was, oh, fuck, I remember that one where he's, like, smoking his stogie. Yeah, the stogie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you said that to me. I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't care. I do whatever I want. Like, dude, or I the, love that guy. What do you, what do you say? Like about milk? Milk's for babies or something? Beers for men. Beers for men. That's uh, a good quote. Yeah, that's that's a in today's terms, it's called toxic masculinity. 
Oh, you can't shit. say that. Dude, one of my favorite movies of all time is Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I think back to how young I was watching that movie. That is horrible. Like, I should yeah. not have been watching that movie. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's there's nudity in that movie, a lot of violence. In it, and it's a cheesy 80s movie. Yeah. But still, like, there's a lot going on for a oh, little yeah. kid to be watching. I was a little kid, and I remember watching Total Recall, and you see that three-tit lady. I was like, oh, God, so hot. Like, you got to pause it, like, on the pulling, VCR. Pulling the wire out of his nose or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember like, one of the, my first memories is watching Reservoir Dogs with my dad, and I was, like, seven years old. And there's, like, a ten-minute-long torture scene in that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. To me, I was just a kid. I was like, oh, this is an awesome movie, but... Looking yeah. back, I'm like, you you really let me watch that? That was a, a decision you made? But it, yeah. it's, it's awesome. Well, yeah. like my, my oldest son, he's 13. And recently he's been wanting to watch like some more adult-ish movies. And it's like, I don't know if I want him watching those yet. I want him to hold on to his innocence like as long as he can. And so my wife, she's like a big horror movie fan. She loves them. I don't. I don't do horror movies. Yeah. But he's been wanting to watch them. So she, she let him watch a couple of them. He liked them. He wasn't scared. He's good. So he's been asking me, he's like, I want to see John Wick. I want to watch John Wick. I'm like, I think you could watch John Wick. So we sat down, I think it was last weekend, we watched chapter one, chapter two, next night watched chapter three. He's fucking in love with John Wick now, That's which it's like one of my, I love John Wick. John Wick's awesome. Well, and I, what I like about John Wick is like, yes, it's extreme. It's a movie. It's Hollywood. But some of the martial arts in that movie, you can tell he trained, trained he does the same with the guns. And everybody's seen the training footage of him with guns. Yeah. But like he does jujitsu too. He's, yeah, yeah. He's trained quite a bit, and you can see like he's doing judo throws, and he's and he gets him on the ground. He's throwing an armbar. He's throwing a triangle. I'm like, dude, that looks pretty legit for a movie. Yeah, because you can usually tell if an actor does not know what they're doing. My my biggest thing with movie, well, I'm like a huge just film geek in general, but when it comes to like action movies, I either need it to be super realistic or real like believable enough, uh-huh. like John Wick, where it's like okay, it's over the top, but he's actually doing real stuff. Or it needs to be just like Expendables. Crouching Tiger, Hidden <laughs> yeah. Dragon, where they're floating through the sky. Because each yeah, other. if it's in between, you're hoping it's going to be better, more realistic than it is. Yeah. Then it's a letdown. Then yeah. you're you're anxious about everything that's wrong. It almost ruins it, and you overthink it. Yeah. yeah. So it has to be ridiculous. That's the hardest yeah. thing with boxing movies. Because <laughs> yeah. like every every boxing movie has the worst fight scenes. Mm-hmm. And but I love I love the original Rocky. Like I grew up watching those with my mom, and they're they're the best movies. But that's just from like a story standpoint. The fight scenes are awful. Yeah, right. Every, every boxing movie fight scenes are awful. Yeah, hands are down and they're just throwing wild haymakers at each other. It's like you never really see that. Every punch, their head's just getting yeah. snapped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude. Well, I, I noticed like, because most people don't have any experience with real, real fighting. So they see it and they're like, oh, that looks cool. But like once I started getting around that world of MMA and jujitsu and stuff, and then I see it in the movies and I'm like, that is, oh, it's horrible. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this on here before, but Kevin kind of ruined military movies for me because he's actually done that shit. Yeah. And there's movies I'm like, that's such a good movie. He's like, that movie's dog shit, dude. That is the worst movie. I'm like, damn. And then he explains to me why and he ruins it for me. <laughs> I had, had the same exact experience. My mom's uh, husband uh, was in the military. He's retired military. And like he will just tell me all the terrible war movies. And I'm like, I loved that movie. I thought it was so yeah. good. He's like, no, it's... Dude, Charlie Sheen and Navy SEALs. That's so accurate. The best one ever? The best one ever. Uh, that well, that and obviously anything with Steven Seagal. <laughs> Fucking Steven Seagal. I love, dude, I love the newest one he did. It was like two years ago. It was like Sniper or something or something Sniper. Yeah, I didn't watch it. but And he's like switching shoulders with his M4. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And like using his wrong eye. And just like, he's just like fat as fuck. Just like walking around like, hold my gun. Like, dude, I just can't with this guy. I absolutely hate Steven Seagal. Yeah. He's he's one of the the few like old action stars that I'm good with not watching. No, like I'm all about Chuck Norris. Fucking loved it. Chuck yeah. Norris. Actually, was a competitive guy. He he did jujitsu and I think karate. Karate, mm-hmm. yeah. But he also did jujitsu. Chuck Chuck Norris was a I don't know if he's a black belt, but he was under Machado. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and just the other night, my kids watched Sidekicks. You ever seen Sidekicks? Yeah. Mm-mm. It's a I don't remember. Probably early nineties. Yeah. If not late 80s, yeah. But it's like cheesy as cheesy can get. And it's about this kid who he like, he, because Ch- Chuck Norris plays himself in the movie. Mm-hmm. But this kid has like this, um, this imaginary scenes where him and Chuck Norris are doing things together. But Chuck Norris is playing himself. And like there's like a Wild West scene that's like, yeah. and it's all absurd. It's, it's crazy. The best scenes are the ones where they're dressed as the white and the black ninja yep, or whatever. Yep. Yeah, they're like these ninja these fighting scenes. And this kid's imagining all of it. But this kid also 
is a karate competitor. Yeah. And then like at, towards the end of the movie in his competition, Chuck Norris actually shows up and he meets him. Yeah, oh, that's I, cool. I love that that's movie. Funny. What's funny about that is that movie being written is that's how a kid actually thinks. Yeah. It's like they yeah. took how a kid thinks and made a movie out of it. And I haven't, I didn't watch it. I know my son watched it. I didn't watch the whole thing. I had just gotten home from work and he was watching it. So I haven't seen it in years. I don't know if it holds up, like if it's as cool as I thought it was, but I don't know. I like those cheesy martial arts movies, except for Steven Seagal. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, my it. favorite is, uh, uh, the Kumite. What's that? Oh, uh, Bloodsport. 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 Yeah, <laughs> Bloodsport is is the best because well, it's super super cheesy. Yeah, super yeah. outrageous, but it's also like I want to be that guy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, between Bloodsport, Kickboxer, The Quest, which are all the same plot. Yeah, it's like oh, let's just run with this. It works, you know. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, those are so good, but like so like because the fight scenes, it's like it's it's so hand wavy and away from reality, especially in a street fight, because essentially what they're doing, right? But it's just like the long scenes in between getting hit and the, dr- the dramatic pauses. It's like that dude's gonna come over and just fucking kick you in the face if you're just <laughs> yeah. sitting there like that, dude. <laughs> you don't know a good one, Roadhouse. Oh, dude, I love Roadhouse. So I've many. Seen Roadhouse. You've never seen. You, uh, you need to see. You need to see it. Yeah, it's it's very cheesy, and it's '80s, right? Roadhouse from the '80s. Yeah. Cheesy as hell, but it's so cheesy that it's good. Yeah, like it's nothing but it's nothing but Patrick Swayze throwing fucking round houses kicks. and side kicks. Yeah, round <laughs> kicks, side kicks, crescent kicks. That's it. Like no punches are thrown. Big <laughs> one is a uh, uh, big trouble in little China. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Kurt it's Russell, super super cheesy, but one of my favorites when I was growing up. Oh, absolutely. So you said you're a film geek. Yeah. What's like some some like more recent movies that you think have been like really really good? Um, anything by. Denny Villeneuve. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. So Dune and Blade Runner. Yeah, Dune. I just saw that this weekend with my dad. That I still was, that was like it. his favorite book series. So we went and saw that first birthday. But Dune, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is amazing. I still think the original, and I'm alone on this one. I don't like the original. I think it's bad. <laughs> um, but he directed a movie called Prisoners, which I think is the best movie I've ever seen. Hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy. It's got Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal. And it's like a, a father and his, uh, him and his neighbor's daughters get abducted. And then Jake Gyllenhaal's a detective and they have to just figure it out. But it's the most intense movie I've ever, I've ever seen. So I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's definitely, you don't feel good after you get done watching it. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, a, it's an awesome movie. Somebody just told me that, which you might know better than me. You might even know, I don't know, that... Star Wars was like pretty much stolen from Dune because Dune the book was written before Star Wars came. Well, out. yeah, 1965 is when he published uh, like the which because there's a bunch of books, um, but a lot of the material was written if written after he was using psychedelics for you know what I mean. So he was very creative with his writing because of use of psychedelics in a useful way. Versus George Lucas wasn't in that. Mm-hmm. realm of using psychedelics his was more left brain oriented which is obvious when you watch the two or you know whatever I know, I'd heard that like they stole a lot of like the plot line and stuff from Dune, which I still haven't watched Dune I started it the other night and I couldn't I had other stuff going on and I couldn't pay attention I'm like I feel like I really need to pay attention to this movie to get it definitely because yeah. I, I kind of have a hard time with sci-fi stuff I always have until like these past few years I've finally gotten into liking some sci-fi stuff mm-hmm. like Star Wars for instance I grew up could care less about Star Wars I all my friends loved it, and I was like, I don't yeah. care for Star Wars. And well, then, yeah, and a lot of ideas are taken from Isaac Asimov because he obviously has like that's <clears throat> understanding fit. That's one of his books, the physicist. He wrote science fiction, hmm. you know, like the Foundation. It's on Apple. That's Isaac Asimov's writing. See, I tried to start that too because you recommend. I just have a hard time with. I don't know why. If it's like because it's so not real that I have a hard time like getting into it. It's not that it's not real. Like you don't know that in five hundred years we can't. Um, travel space and time by some sort of warp time travel and not time, travel, some kind of sort of warp drive or using black hole matter to, um, um, bend space around you to move through space and time. You don't know that Jake. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but that's, what's cool is when you are a nerd and you see them making black holes and they're showing a black hole in the movie or plants like, Oh, it's fucking mm-hmm. awesome. You know, like it's just all, it's just perspective. That's all. But like I was, I was saying, like past few years, I've gotten into really enjoying star Wars and I never liked it. I was always the opposite, like Middle Earth stuff. I have never really been able to get into, mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings, same, Game I'm, of I'm Thrones, the same. I'm the same. stuff, stuff like that. I couldn't, couldn't care less. But recently, my girlfriend's like a super fan of Lord of the Rings, so we we were watching that, and 
I'm like, okay, it's not, not as bad as I it. remember. Yeah, yeah, I yeah I'm, a little bit more. I'm, I'm very similar. Like my wife loves Game of Thrones. That's she loves it. She's probably watched all of them. I don't know how many damn times. That style she loves. Kevin likes that style too. My brother-in-law, who's a good friend of mine, loves that style of movies. I cannot get into it. And then there's new series came out last year with Jason Momoa called C, which I think we talked about in here like two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of that style. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it. It is so. There's two seasons of it, and it's so What's good. It on? It's on Apple TV. Apple TV. So you got to get Apple TV to watch it. But Apple TV is putting on a lot of good shit. Lately. They have a lot of good, really a lot of good stuff. And that show is like the premise of it is it's in the future. I don't know how many years. Five hundred years. Five hundred years in the future, and everybody has gone blind. Everybody they don't even remember people ever having vision. Mm-hmm. And then if there is anybody who does have vision, they call them witches. And there's these witch hunters that go out to kill people that have vision. Turns out Jason Momoa's character has two kids that have vision. It's it's really good. And it's it is kind of like a Middle Earth style and I fucking love it. So then my, after I like that, my wife's like, You need to go back and try Game of Thrones again. Yeah. So I might. But then I watched like Ready Player One, which is pretty sci fi. Yeah. I hadn't seen it. It's been out for three fucking years and I had never watched it. I watched it the other night and it's so good. Yeah, have you, have you seen Ready Player One? I haven't seen it yet. It yeah. is very and I really like how they, it was like the movie's full of Easter eggs. And references to all of Spielberg's movies because he's part of this movie. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm trying to think of some of the characters that just randomly, like, you see Ninja Turtles walk in the background all of a sudden. It's like, did I see Ninja Turtles? Yeah. And Godzilla and King Kong. And it's, it's, it's a really well done movie. That's cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I haven't seen that. Um, I, heard, I obviously saw it, like the trailers and everything when it was coming out. Mm-hmm. But I think my dad went and watched it. Yeah, I think he read the book too. So yeah, I'll and pick his brain about it. And apparently, yeah. they're doing a Ready Player Two. They're doing oh, yeah? a second one. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie, man. I I enjoyed it. And then it was the other sci-fi one I watched the other day, Zathura, which oh, yeah. came out in like 2005. I watched that when I was a kid. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's it's like Space Jumanji. That's yeah. Exactly, that's <laughs> what I texted. I texted Kevin. I said it's like a sci-fi Jumanji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. But, but no, I I don't know. Uh, Ready Player One was awesome, and then I just started Squid Games last night. On Netflix, it's yeah. That'd be fun to go good. do those challenges without dying, without having to get yeah, shot. Yeah, without having to get shot. <laughs> like just like squirt me with something. I don't know. Like, yeah. Just don't kill me. But yeah, Apple TV, dude. It's That's it's worth that. it's worth the subscription. Yeah, or just get the the little Apple TV actual console thing because yeah. with that, like for twenty bucks a month, you get Apple TV, you get unlimited Apple Music. Mm-hmm. And the arcade, so you can play games on there and shit. Oh, and cool. no, we're not we're not sponsored by Apple, but well, of course, there's there's their free plug. We're we're not slaves. <laughs> not, but, they can't exploit but, us. No, Apple TV has some really good shows. Yeah, and they have they have a good documentary. They have a lot of good stuff. I think on the there. only streaming service I have other other than Netflix right now is HBO. HBO's got some really HBO's good stuff awesome. right now too. That's where I watch Ready Player One. Yeah, HBO's okay. got a lot of Dude, good stuff. I, HBO just released. Uh, was it on HBO the documentary I was telling you about? Yeah, the four hours of the Capitol. Oh yeah, you said it was HBO. It was either HBO or Apple TV, but it's a documentary on the recent Capitol riot. Oh thing. yeah, yeah, dude, it's really well done, and it will piss you off. I don't even care what people's political beliefs are; it'll piss you off. Really? Like the way these people that were trying to get into the Capitol were acting. Like, oh god, those yeah. those cops had balls of steel, like to not just shoot everybody. Yeah, because and I wouldn't say they're all like hillbillies and stuff, but there was a lot of that, a lot of craziness and a lot of people who trying to be careful with my words not piss anybody off but (laughs) a lot of fucking idiots and these are the same people that for the past couple years have been saying you know back the blue uh, you know help the police and now they're killing cops at the capitol yeah it's it's insanity and i think the reason they didn't fight more like the cops working there is out of that is out of that self preservation from fear. Well, like, did you watch it yet? No, it. but I just think if like if you think if you think, okay, I'm gonna start shooting anybody who gets close, but we know there's only five of us in yeah. here, and they, yeah. it's gonna piss them off more. It'll just be then chaos. they're for sure gonna come through and just kill yeah. us. But maybe if I don't shoot, then they'll preserve us, right? Yeah. They won't kill us. Self preservation, you know, because out of I don't know, I feel like out of training, if someone's doing that, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's that's a. T- I'd have to watch it well, though, because the way it ha- like they have footage from like the police body cams, mm-hmm. and then they also have footage from protesters on their phones. Oh wow, every, every, that's wild. Everybody's recording nowadays, you know. Yeah. And so the the way the documentary goes, it goes back and forth between the two different footage that they collected, and you do see some cops where it's like there's ten of them, and there's thousands of people trying to get through this door, and so eventually the cops are like, 
we have to fucking move because if they don't move they're gonna die yeah and then there's scenes where you see a cop getting like crushed by people and he's screaming for his life it's like what the these people are and it's all because they thought the election was stolen it's like crazy fucking people yeah well it just sucks because <clears throat> like it it just makes and there's extreme examples on both sides but mm -hmm. it makes the good people on that side look terrible because it, it, it clumps, clumps everybody just yeah. sees just sees the sides so mm -hmm. they clump everybody together and it's like that's not that's not the case no at all. not not always and it's like we we get into politics a little bit on this podcast occasionally and like me and kevin are both pretty like down the middle on a lot of shit yeah and i can see some beliefs on both sides and why people believe what they believe but watching that and seeing these people that are trying to get into the capitol building first of all if you're trying to break into a federal building you should probably understand there's going to be some consequences yeah. to that and don't be surprised when consequences yeah. happen and it's i don't know man it just it was really good it's worth a watch but it will make you very mad and it made me it pissed me off i'll have to check it out I was, yeah it's I like on that. i think it's on hbo i want to say it's on HBO. i think i think i remember seeing like the picture of it on there so. yeah it's called four hours of the capital and there's another one in that same ballpark that is on hbo called q into the storm i watched that holy shit and yeah. that goes into it too that goes that ends at the capital stuff yeah. Uh, it's pretty wild it's nuts it's, it's such nuts. a deep rabbit hole oh my and but. you know over this past couple of years i had heard a little bit about this QAnon shit and there's some people i personally know that would tell me the shit that they believe like either people i work with or whatever and i was always like that sounds fucking nuts like where are you getting this shit and then later on i heard about QAnon, and i'm like oh that's where they're getting this yeah. stuff and i'm all for a good conspiracy theory <laughs> like it's so out there though oh dude like i would tell my sister about it that I like, I would tell her all these things like I believed it because it would just piss her off, and I was just laughing, and I was like, "No, they're they're really eating babies and all this sorts of stuff," and she was just like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "Look into it. That's all I'm saying. Look into it." <laughs> oh, it's it's nuts, man. Like, and I, I like a good like, say we didn't land on the moon or something. Yeah, let's debate that. That's kind of fun. Or Bigfoot's real. Yeah. But when you start like, it, like that that documentary goes into how this weird conspiracy world on the internet came into real life. That's dangerous shit. Super. Yeah, because it's extremely hand wavy, especially when you can't prove anything. No, that's you know I like like again obviously I enjoy them I talk about them so much but it's only because if it's fun like yeah. their Brotherhood of the Snake which is the you know goes into the Illuminati and that's like that's basically essentially saying that essentially saying whoever believes in the Illuminati is Brotherhood of the Snake which also essentially believes that we were all engineered um, by like you know. A, a, I don't know. Like the simulation? No, no, oh. like, no, like from aliens. Oh, oh we, yeah, They yeah. came out and used, you know, the DNA already here and what was present to engineer us. And that's what the Apocrypha kind of alludes to. So, of course, the Apocrypha was taking away from the books they used to put in the King James Bible. Like, no, it's all bullshit. It's crazy. That sounds nuts. Like, the aliens were made us and then they, started, like the, they started fucking us and making the Nephilim, you know, like, like the Nephilim. It sounds like the, the well, plot's Prometheus. Exactly. Yeah. That's where it comes from. Oh, really? Prometh cool. Prometheus is actually... So, what you would call Prometheus is the genetic engineer of the human uh, like DNA code. So, he was the one that came down here and made us. And over it was like the leader of like the, the scientists and oversaw us being bred. They come back and oversee all of that. And then they some of them bred with us, made in the film. And then... Uh, the higher ups, like the political side of it, were like that can't happen. Kill everyone who's like been bred with them, and then that's why it's called the Brotherhood of the Snake. He was the snake. He was the one trying to say, you know what? They're, these are really smart beings. Let's give them our knowledge so they can advance. Mm -hmm. and like you know, in Star Trek, there's the uh, what's it called? But essentially, you can't you can't you know fuck with us aliens if you can watch them. And he wanted to give us knowledge, so they're like no. And that's why he, Prometheus is also the devil. They said, well, since you want to give them knowledge and you're not listening to us, you can't come back home. You're bound to earth. Just like the devil's bound, Satan's bound to earth, right? Yeah. So the Apocrypha basically just says that we were made by aliens. And Prometheus essentially was the, like the scientist overseeing that. And then he got cast out because he wanted to give us, you know, their knowledge. But so that's a really fun one too. Yeah. Because you're saying well. like, this was all written at the same time all the books in the Bible were written. But it was obviously they were like, this is all bullshit. But. You yeah, could, you could say any of it's bullshit. That, I mean, it yeah. doesn't. That shit's fun. It is fun, but that that doesn't hurt anybody. No, you get these fucking wackos that believe in QAnon stuff who show up to the Capitol in mass and try and are crushing people to death. And these are the same 
dipshits, which I think we talked about this when Paul was on, mm-hmm. these dipshits that open carry who don't even probably know how to use a gun. No. And they have no training whatsoever, and they're carrying fucking ARs on their back to protest. Yeah. It's like, like you've told me before, all you see when you see somebody with a gun on open carry is you're like, that's my target. I could go take that gun from him and kill him in two seconds. Yeah. And I'm sure we might have people listen to this that open carry. I think you're a fucking idiot. But anyways, <laughs> I, it's just, it's ridiculous. No, it's There's it, no it, reason it, for it. I wouldn't say you're a fucking idiot. Let's just say, change your perspective. If you change the way you see things, the things you see change. And you're part of the thing that needs to change. I just don't know why you would want anybody to know you had a gun on you. That's not the point of carrying one. If it's, you're carrying it for protection, why would you want anybody to know you had it on you? Yeah, yeah. Good well, point. some people that's are immature point. because their perspective is wrong. Yeah, and it's an immature so, thing. So, anyways, yeah. those are the same people because most of the time that's them having a swinging dick contest. Want everybody to know I have a gun. I'm powerful. Yeah. Those are the same ones. If you watch that documentary on, or if you look at any footage from the Capitol shit, those are the same people that are showing up. They just didn't bring all their guns because they they couldn't. Right. Not saying that nobody got a gun in there. I know one of the, in that documentary, one of the cops says, all of a sudden, next thing you know, there's a gun laying on the ground that fell, <laughs> fell, out of, fell off of somebody. And he's like, so he grabbed it and put it in it because he had one of the yeah. like long trench coat that the Capitol Police wear. He put it in there. And he's like, I had that guy's gun on me all day. Yeah. And people that are trained with guns don't lose their PPE yeah. or the sensitive items. Yeah. That shit's tied off to you exactly. or it's not going anywhere. And if, it's, like, if it wasn't out in the open, you probably wouldn't have lost it. And yeah. like, People who listen to this know I don't usually take pretty solid stances on very much. I'm pretty, I stay on the fence on things, but after watching that documentary, I'm like, fuck those people. Yeah. Like, they piss me off so bad. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's okay. It's not okay. If you're going to stand towards the government, it's when the government is a tyrannical government. That's why we have the second amendment, right? But even if our government was a tyrannical government, we don't have the power to overthrow it because we've given it so much power. So good luck anyway. That's why anyone who's actually trained or been to war isn't really going to show up to those things. It's because yeah. they know the difference between life and death and what we really need to be yeah. fighting for, and it's not that. There is a time and place for terrorism. That was probably an act of terrorism, considering what they were doing at the Capitol, right? Yeah. But that's not the time and place. And time and place for terrorism when was when there was no other choices, and even overrun in such a tyrannical way that that's the only choice you have. Mm-hmm. Like when Mexico succeeded seceded from the Spanish. The Spanish, when they went down to Mexico, just fucked a bunch of people up. You're a bunch of savages, started beheading everybody if they weren't going to, you know, convert to Catholicism and all this. When they finally succeeded from the Spanish, that was because of terrorism. The Mexicans were committing acts of terrorism, and it worked. That Mm. was it. That's all they could do, and it actually worked, right? So, I mean, that's there's a time for shit like that, but it's not here. You know what I mean? No, and like me and you both watch. That's another thing on Apple TV. We're just going to plug Apple this whole podcast. <laughs> but that new show with Jon Stewart, it's called what The Problem With, and he does a different subject every week. And he did one on freedom. And he had some people from other countries come on who come from like legitimate communist and uh, like tyrannical countries. And they were talking about like our country is what it looks like when you're under tyranny. Like what you have here is not that. Yeah. And I don't know. It was, I thought it was really good. The next yeah. one I meant, cause you told me the next one's going to be the problem with guns. Yeah. It's called um, problem with guns. Which we both like guns. We're like gun, you know, but I want to see how he goes with it. Cause John Stewart's like more liberal leaning guy, but he's, he has common sense. He's not too far. One yeah. Way. That's he's my, I think most of those like <clears throat> political comedians are all pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not funny at all. I agree. Right. But John Stewart, and he's not even, I wouldn't even say most of his stuff is funny. He's just, He's a good guy to listen to because he doesn't play too much to one side. He he definitely has his beliefs, but he'll he'll just say the facts and say mm-hmm. the truth. And well, if, he, he if, still has rationality too yeah, about exactly. about most stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. It's it's a well done show. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I really like the one where he did the problem with the the second one that we watched. Was it the freedom one? Freedom. Probably yeah, that freedom. was a good one. The most recent one was economy. That was pretty good too. It's on yeah. Apple TV too. Yeah, it's on Apple TV. I'm telling you, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't have it if my wife didn't have an iPhone because I, yeah. I don't have any Apple products. But <laughs> no, it's fun though. And this thing is, guns is another touchy subject. <clears throat> yeah. But I do, I do think because I've seen enough dumb people on this planet so far that, for one, I think driving standards should be more vigorous. Like, like I, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to say something extreme, which everyone's going to disagree with, and I think you should disagree with me. I think a driving test should be more of like what you make the cops go through. 
Like, I think a 16-year-old going through a driving standard should be, be like, able to just fucking do some 180 turns in the rain, just like, whatever. Dude, I agree. But, I agree with you fully, because I'm a driver for a living. Right. I see so many people out there driving that should not be driving. Oh, man. It's scary. It's fucking scary. Yeah. Like, you should be, comp- that's just something you should be competent in for the sake of other people's lives. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. a lot of selfish people out there, they're selfish drivers, they don't worry about people around them, and it can get them killed, and mm-hmm. it does. And I'm not even talking about drunk driving or anything like that. I'm talking about just standard like asshole driving driving, you know with no humility just and that goes for guns too like yes we all should as i think as a citizen you should be able to have a gun if you want to but i think the training there should be some training involved Mm -hmm. like legitimate and i'm not talking government run because that that never turns out very well but like privately run organizations that train you with firearms to make you proficient in that. Well, just like I said with driving, there's people out there that own guns that shouldn't fucking own guns. Definitely. Just like that shit that happened here in Boise. The mall. Yes. Yeah. That dude was a convicted felon. Yeah. Carrying a gun around. Open carry. One of those open carry dipshits. Anyways, carrying a gun around, look what happened with it. And I don't know, we might get hate for saying, you know, people should, anything about gun control, but that's I guess that's good because I went off social media this week for a month. <laughs> but yeah, but I... I <laughs> A convicted felon, clear. especially convicted violent felon or felon that has um, a record of psychosis, probably from meth use and anything else, is someone who should not be able to have a firearm for mm-hmm. a reason because they are never thinking rationally. Yep. Yeah. They're not thinking about how can I hurt this person or their family or myself in the future. They're, re- they're not responding. They're reacting in irrational ways, and they're mm-hmm. hurting other people in the way of doing it. And, and you know, that's the same thing with people with, with like, severe CTE. You know, that's why they get into it like, like fucking O.J. Simpson. Or there's been other athletes who've, like, killed their whole family. Yeah. yeah. And that's brain trauma. Chris, you know? Chris Benoit. Yeah, Chris Benoit, yeah. dude. Oh, man, a story. Or, or look at the Aaron Hernandez story. Yeah. Like, that dude was getting brain damage from a very young age. And in what you do for a living, I mean, brain damage is a real thing. And yeah, you, you know that. For sure. And I think most fighters know that. I mean, there's a lot of, like, the John Jones stuff. I mean, that's signs of, uh, of early yeah. CTE. Just, like the rationality he has or like the quick behavior changes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like I've seen it firsthand. Like there's people I know, young kids, I know that like their parents have told me stories of times where they just snapped or something like that. Being compulsive. Those are dangerous people to have, you know, those, those issues. And like the same way, if somebody like that has a gun, like that's a, it's a really dangerous, dangerous person. I agree. agree. And, And follow your instincts because you, if you say you are downtown or at the mall river, Especially downtown, because a lot of dipshits go downtown. Yeah. But if you're an intuitive person, you spot that person from a mile away. You see that person, you see the way they move, their face, and you're like, that's one of those people. That's one of those people, if I look at him the wrong way, he's going to start something and might stab me. Like, and you know, like, okay, even if I cannot fight him, is that worth it? No. Like, avoid this person. Especially if you look like, especially if you're someone who carries yourself in a confident way. Yeah. Because that person's going to want to pick you out and start something, mm-hmm. right? And that's, man, a thousand times I've been in that situation, especially in the Army. You know, you go to the bars, and it's like, I don't want to be in a situation. So it's good to be able to see that, see that person from my way and be like, okay, I'm staying clear of that, well, that motherfucker. It's weird being a fighter. I get more people that want it, want to fight me than mm-hmm. if I wasn't a fighter. Like, right. they, they hear that, and I'm not a very big guy, but they're... Your, they, your ears are giveaway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, but they're just like, oh, that's like a... a start an argument starter or somebody wants to try and prove something and i i love the quote you win 100 percent of the fights you don't get in like yeah. mm-hmm. i'm not gonna go out of my way to get no. in a scrap with somebody well and i think most people who are comfortable with violence like you probably are because you do it every day yeah that's the last thing you want to go do is get into a violent situation because you know how it can turn out yeah and most likely it's going to turn out real bad for the other guy when it comes Definitely. to you because you're well trained I think like the guys Kevin was talking about, <clears throat> they have that look about them that look like they're trying to start a problem. 99% of them probably don't know how to fight. Yeah. They, they've been the big tough asshole their whole life who nobody who knew what they were doing ever did anything about it. The day they run into somebody like you, who you're a smaller guy, guarantee someone who's never trained who fucks with you and you have to do something, it's a bad day for them. Yeah. And th- that's going to end up getting them hurt eventually yeah and there's consequences because no one wants to go do something enjoyable with a friend or a girlfriend and then one punch homicide somebody Mm -hmm. whether it's self-defense or not you don't that just fucks with your whole mindset like damn i have to deal with this now this is something that shouldn't have happened this is something i don't need my life so why even engage if you know it's going to turn out bad 
not even for you, for the other person. Yeah. Because, and then you have a bad taste in your mouth because it makes me feel a certain way. You yeah, know? I've never been in a self-defense situation where I felt good about it afterwards. Even if, like, everything went well. It's yeah. never been like, oh, I'm glad I got into a confrontation last night. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a good feeling. Another good quote is Dustin Poirier. He said, it's easy be, easy to be nice when I know how mean I can be. Yeah. That, that's, like, so true, 100% true. Because, like, we, like you said, I'm in there every day. I'm getting punched and kicked and punching and kicking other people and I don't I know what it will look like mm-hmm. and I don't I don't need to make that happen at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, you're you're comfortable with violence. Like yeah. that's what you do for a living. Yeah. But that's the way it should be. If you know how to do that, you should be a gentleman, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea behind like the moral code essentially you're brought up in and you know, Marines and the army is like you should be able to go kill someone with in a split second to save somebody else or yourself commit, you know, commit acts of violence, but then come back and be neatly dressed and appropriately talk to people. Right. That's the whole idea in the military and the guys that fail at that. It's obvious. Yeah. Cause you see, maybe they're good in deployments when they come back, they look like shit bags. They act like shit bags and it just gives you a bad taste in your mouth. And the same thing with people who are fighters and anything else. Like you want to be that well-rounded individual who is a gentleman and a killer. That's the best person to be mm-hmm. because now you're not part of the problem. You're part of the solution. Yeah. I can protect people and myself and make this, my community better by being, having know-how and being trained and also turn it into a sport because that's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really well-rounded. I think the majority nowadays is that yeah. <clears throat> like most of the people I've met that are in the, in the fight world are really good people. They're not out there trying to pick fights. Right. I think yes, there's going to be the assholes that yeah. that are that stereotype. Right, but there's a couple out there. For yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, there is a hundred percent. But I think, especially as like the sport itself evolves, you're getting like there, there's people I've I've rolled with that if you ever saw them, you would never think that they took a jujitsu class in their life. They're nerdy. They're kind of lanky. They're and you want to get on a mat with them, that's going to be a bad fucking day for you. Yeah. But they're my, my dad, 100%. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the, and, I mean, you train, you train, you train kids. Yeah. So I'm sure you see kids from all different backgrounds that some of them are probably little killers. There's a little girl. Her name is, she's 13 years old. Her name is Lucy. And she is like the quietest, calmest, nicest girl you'll ever talk to. Super shy. And then she goes to tournaments and makes teenage boys cry just destroys. <laughs> a couple times a year and just walks off and give me a little high five and that's it yeah well that's like that's funny uh my coach Cruz, his wife sophie she's been on this podcast you meet her in real life she's all bubbly and really nice and then she gets out there either on the jujitsu mat or she kickboxes too like she's a killer and you would never if you just met her and you didn't know what she did or where her background at all, you would never know perfect example is vita ortega yeah she's like <laughs> the nicest person you will ever talk to. I've never not seen her just like come and come to the gym and not smile and laugh and talk to everybody. And then like when she's in camp, she'll come into sparring an hour early. She throws her headphones on. She's in her like sweatpants and sweatshirt and you just know she's got her game face on. She's, (laughs) she's going to be mean that day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the time there's, but she's the nicest person in the world outside of outside of that. It's crazy. And I don't know Riley Martinez. Yeah. I don't know her personally. We've been talking. She's going to be on eventually. Oh, she's awesome. But she seems like a really nice person through text. And I, I've seen her at jujitsu tournament before. She's a killer too. Yeah. She's, she's a, and she just won her, she just won her first, her debut, her pro Mm -hmm. debut. Yeah. Yeah. Her first pro fight. Yeah. She's, she's a, a gangster. I, I'm one of her main main training partners, and we've been training for a, a long time. She's she's awesome. Yeah, she's really kind of like just gotten comfortable with it because I think she had like a lot of expectation or just a lot of like she was a lot really mental with it for mm-hmm. a little bit. But lately, especially the last three years, like she's just super confident, comfortable, kicking ass. She's she's a beast. Yeah, I've, I've been texting with her. She seems like a really nice person. Super sweet. Yeah, yeah. it'd be cool to get her on. We should, probably should wrap this up soon because i got to go pick up kids from school. Wrap it up. I didn't even know we were going to go down the road we went down, but see, that's what I like about this podcast. Yeah, movies and movies and, uh, movies and QAnon. QAnon dipshits. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, that, that's what, that's usually, when we have a good podcast, that's usually how it goes. Yeah. And they can't all be winners. We've had a couple where the conversation was really fucking hard to keep going. You have to going. look back at your notes. Oh, God. yeah. But, yeah, yeah. you, you made it easy. It's for, especially for your first podcast, like, hell yeah. You, Sweet. You did awesome. Thank you. Easy to talk to. It, it makes it easy for us. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so um, 
I guess if you want people to listen to stuff, if they want to follow you and everything like that, where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, my Instagram is Noah Constrictor. Constrictor is my MMA nickname, but that's N O A. Why is that? Why what? N O A underscore Constrictor with two R's, and then uh, come check out SBG Idaho downtown if you guys want to learn how to uh, do martial arts, even if it's just for you know just a workout or self defense. No competition needed. It's the best place in the valley to to go train for sure so check us out awesome well thank you very much for doing it thank you guys for having me appreciate it